everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm here with Lauren Savon. It's her repeat appearance. Very excited to have her on. So much has happened in your life since we last talked. Yeah. Um, you are uh, co-host on KABC with Dr. Drew. That's right. You host Oxygen's Abuse of Power. That's right. Uh, you recently moved. I don't know if that's public knowledge. It is now. We're neighbors now. We're neighbors now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're a Weinstein accuser, Weinstein victim, Weinstein survivor. I don't like what any langu- of the choices. Okay, yeah. Well, how would you, none of them are great. How would you describe it? I hate victim because I don't feel like a victim. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what he did was disgusting. Um, accuser sounds like I don't even believe myself. <laughs> I don't like survivor. <laughs> That's right. not right either. So I'm still working on the terminology. Right. Yeah. Have you, I mean, how are you, nor- how, when people are, ta- and, and we'll get into the story if that's okay with you. Yeah. But when people are describing you, what language do they use and do you bristle every time? Um, they, uh, either accuser or a victim. Right. But I mean, if they call me accuser, I get it. But for myself to call him an accuser, I mean, like I'm accusing no I was there it happened right so right I guess victim is probably the lesser of two evils were you really sh- and we'll get into what happened for people who are like wait you're jumping ahead but <laughs> were you really shaken up by what happened no well I mean I shouldn't say no at the time yeah I was completely in shock because um it was just so unexpected no one's prepared for that um, do you want me to tell you what happened? Yes. It's probably easiest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So like 10 years ago, 2007, I was living in New York. I was a local news anchor at News 12 Long Island and I lived in the city. So after my shift, I would drive back to the city. And on one night I was invited to meet a group out. My best friend at the time was like, hey, I'm out to dinner. Come hang out with us. And so when I got there, dinner was kind of wrapping up. It was late <clears throat> and there was an open chair and I sat in it and I happened to be seated next to Harvey Weinstein. He just happened to be at this dinner and I I knew who he was, of course. And he was lovely. He was charming and polite and talked to me about news and how did I get into it? And, you know, we were both talking about um, history and um, our obsession with like presidential history. Mm -hmm. And it was a very warm, charming conversation, like a conversation, you you know, that was almost flattering to Mm -hmm. me because here's this big, powerful Hollywood titan whose, you know, interest I'm holding throughout this dinner. So dinner wraps up. And you didn't get any creepy or flirty vibe None. at this point? None. Like a... Was it like a pat- paternal interest? Yeah. If anything. Mm-hmm. If anything. And um, he's talking about his kids. He's talking... You know, I mean, it was just a normal, random conversation. We get up to leave dinner, and, we- and we're all going to another location. At this point, it was like a bar or lounge or something. And um, he drove us all in his giant Suburban, which I remember was filled to the gills with old newspapers and Diet Coke, like crates and crates of Diet Coke. That is not... An alarming amount of Diet Coke. Wow. That's not what I I would have expected. Well, I never drank Diet Coke after that because I'm like, obviously it doesn't work. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we go to this bar, restaurant bar, but we were in the bar area or whatever. And, you know, he continued to chat with me. Nothing creepy. Again, like no red flags went Mm. off. And at one point he goes, you know, I'm an investor in this club 
do, have you seen the kitchen and restaurant? There's a whole restaurant downstairs. I was what, like, no, I haven't. What club was it? It was called Socialista. It was down like on Jane Street, I mm. think. And it was a cool place to be. Like you, there was a doorman. You had to know someone. Like it was definitely a cool joint. So I was like, okay. At this point, I probably had like three glasses of champagne. My best friend out of the corner of her eye saw me walking out with him. And she goes, where are you going? And I said, oh, Harvey's just going to show me the kitchen and restaurant downstairs. I've never seen it. And she said to me, now I remember so well. If you're not back in 10 minutes, I'm coming to find you. And I was like, okay. What did you make of that? Well, it's it wasn't, you know, it was just something girls do. When you see your girlfriend walking off with a guy that she just met, you're mm-hmm. like, hey, where are you going? Like, I'm going to come find you if you're not back. And I don't even think she thought anything untoward would happen. It's just something girls, girlfriends do to look out for each other. Well, as soon as we walked down the steps into this kitchen, it was completely empty. I thought it would be like a kitchen where right. things are happening and bustling. Pe- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bustling. Yeah, that was the word I was expecting. It was desolate. There was like one guy sweeping up. And I remember he goes over to that guy. I don't know what he said to him. And then the guy disappears. Mm. And it's very narrow. You know, New York City, like kitchens, like it's really, yeah. really narrow and dark. And he's walking me toward the back of this kitchen. And immediately I was like, okay, we've seen it. Like, I'm good. I'm going to go back upstairs. Like, what the hell are we doing here? And that's when he was like, no, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. I want you to see the whole thing. I want you to see the whole thing. And we're at the end of this narrow hallway and it ends. Mm -hmm. So now I'm kind of trapped. Yeah, you're cornered. And I turn around and I was like, can we go back upstairs now? And he leans in to kiss me, which was super gross. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, no, like immediately like blame myself like what did I do to give him this impression and immediately I was like no 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 no. I'm so sorry I'm so sorry if I gave you the wrong impression I'm not interested at all like I have a really serious boyfriend and you know I'm sorry Mm -hmm. I gotta go and he got annoyed by that and he said oh can you just stand there and be quiet then and he kind of you know he's a large guy he blocked the exit and um just uh you know, pulled his stuff out and went at it by himself. Mm. And I just stood there in disbelief, frozen kind Mm -hmm. of, because didn't see that one coming. And then luckily he like finished up relatively quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had to see it coming. Uh. Oh God, it was terrible. But um, important lesson learned (laughs) at the same time. Anyway, once he wrapped up, he was like, I was like, can I go now? Are we done? In a plant? Yeah. I mean, it was very dark back there. My my recollection is like there was a potted plant on the floor because it was like near an exit and a bathroom. It was like kind of a vestibule. Mm-hmm. And so there was something there that I felt like he ejaculated into. My recollection was a potted plant. I couldn't tell you what kind. Um, but anyway, uh, after that, I ran upstairs. I found my friend. We, I'm like, we got to go. We got to go. Were you scared? Um. That's a good question. I wasn't scared for my own um, phys- like physical danger. I didn't think that he would hurt me. But mm-hmm. it, it was definitely uncomfortable and unsettling. And I was like, there's no way I'm going up there and making small talk after right. that situation. So I was like, we got to go. And I grabbed her arm and we ran out. And in the cab ride, I remember telling her what happened. And she was like, what? <laughs> like. I mean, it was so bizarre. Like, everybody knows who he is. Yeah. It's not just some random guy. I was like, yeah, Harvey Weinstein just ejaculated in a pot of plant in front of me. And that was that. And then the next day, he called me at work. I never gave him my number, but he knew where I worked. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I have Harvey Weinstein on the line for you. I'm like, what? 
And I thought it was like, maybe he's going to apologize or. Right. No. He's like, I just, I wanted you to know I had a lovely time. When can I see you again? I'm like, what? (laughs) You had a lovely time. Yeah. I was like, listen, I don't know what impression I gave you. You said this. Yeah. On the phone because I'm much tougher on the phone. Mm -hmm. I go, I don't know what impression I gave you. I told you I have a serious boyfriend. I'm, I'm sorry. It was lovely to meet you, but I have no interest in you otherwise. He's like, listen, I'm taking my kids. I'm taking my kids to like Hong Kong Disney, somewhere like really random and weird. He's like, I'm taking my kids away to Hong Kong Disney. I don't even know if that's the place, but it, uh, that's what I remember sure. it being far. I'll be back in two weeks. Uh, why don't you think about it? And I'll try you back then. I'm like, nothing to think about. Thank you. <laughs> like, nope, this is mm-hmm. it. And I got off the phone. I'm like, what a weirdo. Like, what the hell? But then now that I think about it in retrospect, he probably just wanted to see where I was at. Like, is this girl going to go nuts? And mm-hmm. Or is she just, you know, going to play it cool and not speak of this again? Or I don't know. I don't know what he was looking for, to be honest, to this day. Why I, he would call. Right. Maybe it was just I, to let me know that he knew where I worked. Oh, maybe. I mean, I, I – my first instinct was he was sort of si- – well – I feel like that's a maneuver to size up a potential target, mm. like to see if what how you're going to react. Right. I could be. I mean, that's probably what know. it was in retrospect. But I was just that was the mo- honestly that was the most shocking part. Yeah. The call. Yeah, I was watching you on. What was it? Extra. I forget because you you've done a lot of news, <laughs> a lot of news shows about I've been it around town. Uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, they mentioned that the detail that he called you to ask you out. And I was like, what? And that is the crazy, that is the craziest part. I'm impressed that you had the wherewithal, though, to shoot him down so thoroughly on the phone. Because I feel like yeah. I would have just, I probably, I wouldn't have even wanted to take the call. I would have been. I didn't want to take the call. Yeah. I mean, I remember having like chills down my spine when I heard Harvey Weinstein's on the line for you. I'm like, what? Right. But um, after that, I never heard from him again. Um. Which was good, except, I mean, I moved out to L.A. a couple years later and I would see him like when I, you know, covered red carpets and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I would just avoid at any cost having to interview him. Did, uh, was there ever any moment where you guys made eye contact? or he- I did have to interview him once, but it was just, he definitely didn't recognize me. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, definitely didn't recognize me, which I was grateful for because it would have been awkward. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I... That moment, I'm like, oh, I should have called him out on a red carpet with a microphone in his face. Like, oh, do you remember me? The girl that you ejaculated in front of in the back of a dark restaurant. And truth be told, I'm assuming that happened to a lot of women Mm -hmm. because it happens so fast. I mean, we met and it was like an hour and a half later. He's in a dark kitchen exposing himself. I'm like, oh, this is – he has a thing. Like, this is definitely a thing. And I'm a stranger. So I could only imagine women that – you know, have one-on-one meetings with him where he doesn't even have to lure them into a kitchen. Well, you've met some of the other women, right? Yeah, I've met a lot of them now. I've met a lot of them. If nothing else, Harvey Weinstein has great taste <laughs> because they're all amazing women. They're all like really smart, really clever, really, um, you know, some of them are still actresses. Some of, you know, a lot of them have turned to other things, but they're all, there's no dummy in the bunch, you know? There's no one that's vapid or... You know, all of us say the same thing. Like, we can't believe we all fell for this mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. So was he friends with your friends? Like, how was it that he was – when you were meeting up with those people, how was he involved he in all this? Was, he was um, pals with Cipriani. I forget his first name. Something like super Italian. Something Cipriani. 
and we were at Cipriani's and they, I think they invested together and stuff. I have no idea, but a girlfriend of mine was friends with Cipriani. That's the mm-hmm. whole reason I ended up at that dinner. I see. Um, Giuseppe, Giuseppe Cipriani. Uh, that is super Italian. <laughs> I'm like, it's something super Italian. <laughs> Did you tell your boyfriend at the time? No, you know, my boyfriend at the time mm-hmm. is Rick Leventhal, who was a, um, a, a correspondent at Fox News Channel. Also super into UFC, right? That's what I'm remembering. No. No? Are you thinking of Mike Straka? Yes, I am. Sorry. They're not the same. (laughs) They're not the same at all. He was super into lots of sports, but not Not UFC. UFC. Um, But he – I I didn't tell him at the time because I knew what kind of person he was. He was very protective of me, like uber protective to the point where I thought it was too much sometimes. Mm. And so I knew if I had told him and he ever crosses paths with this guy, he's going to get in a fight. I mean, he's going to fight him or he's going to do something. And I thought there's no upside to that, to this. Number one, he'll be, he would be angry at me. I know for he like, why would you follow him into the kitchen? Like I already mm-hmm. saw the lecture I would be getting. And number two, I didn't want to put him in that position where he was going to go up against Harvey Weinstein. I just right. thought, you know, better off he not know. Now he called me and was so angry that I didn't tell him. Like, I would have killed him. I would have wanted him. I'm like, I know. That's why I didn't say anything to him. But I told literally everyone else. <laughs> I mean, I told my friend that night. I told my family. They're like, oh, my God, that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. No one in all the people I've told, no one was like, well, you should have gone to the police or you should have called the Weinstein company and reported him. Like, that was never an answer I got. So for all these people now that are like, you kept quiet for all mm-hmm. these years, I'm like, I absolutely didn't keep quiet. But there was nowhere to go to <laughs> right. to report this. Yeah. Also, and I, I feel nervous with what I'm, with the delineation I'm about to make, but I feel, uh, I wonder if, like, I'm couching it. I feel a little bit like because he, and I'm not taking away from what happened, but because he did not physically assault right. you. No, that's exactly why. Yeah. What evidence did I have? Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't even like I had DNA on me. I stood as far away from him as humanly possible. <laughs> did you... Were you averting your gaze or like what did yeah, you – Yeah, no, I wasn't – first of all, thank God it was dark. Second of all, I was not – I was looking away the whole time. I was just standing there and not talking mm-hmm. as I was ordered to. How long do you think it lasted? I mean, it was relatively quick, thank God for me. I remember being like, oh my God, how long am I going to be <laughs> trapped down here? And yeah. like, where's my friend? Is she coming down to find me? I mean, I don't, I don't know time-wise. I know that I was so relieved that it seemed to be over fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this – sorry, you said this was 2007. Seven. And then it was just this sort of crazy, unsettling thing that had happened to you, yeah. right? And yeah. you, you told a bunch of people. Did you ever run into anyone else who uh, said – Oh yeah, he's known for this oh, yeah. kind of stuff. Oh yeah, anyone that worked in the in the business or in Hollywood, I was like, "Yep, that's Harvey. That's Harvey." In fact, one person, an actor, told me a story about Angie Everhart, which now she's come clean with. That's not come clean. I mean, come forward, you know, yeah, come forward with that story. Um, and they told me that story. I'm like, "Oh my god, this is a thing. He does this to women." Like she was sleeping on a boat, and he like. Did you at that point? realize uh have a sense of the extent of it though because like no doing what he exposing yourself master i mean it's awful i thought he was a louis ck okay right i thought yeah. that's what he got off on and that's his right. weird thing you didn't realize that rape was no I mean, how would you no i had no idea i had no idea and i knew he was like a skirt chaser like mm-hmm. everyone's like yeah harvey and women you know like that's kind of his reputation but i had no idea that he was you know that there was assault or rape or anything and 
um, many of the other victims had no idea either. They A lot of them thought they were the only one. Right. So, I mean, it was just amazing to me how long this went on because now that I've met so many of them, the BBC got us all together at one point for a documentary they were doing. And the range in age is so amazing. I mean, there was a 22-year-old who's still anonymous. She hasn't come forward, but she was probably his most recent victim. Mm -hmm. And a 64-year-old, like a retiree. Like this has been going on for three decades. That's how many women and the span of ages. It's crazy. Have you met his wife, ex-wife? No. Former wife? No. They're separated, But I'll tell you this. It was literally three weeks before he got engaged to her. Because I remember reading about it in the New York Post and my friends sending me like, oh my God, he just got engaged to this beautiful woman after what he did to you. It's so gross. And I just kept thinking like, oh, I hope she has like plastic on the furniture. (laughs) That was my only thought. (laughs) Fake plants. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So then uh, can you talk about your decision to go public with what happened? Uh, I mean, the women that came forward in the New York Times article, like Ashley Judd and Rose McGowan, um, Catherine Kendall was one of them as well. When that story came out, I'm like, oh, finally, good. Like someone's finally outing this guy. So I knew that they were telling the truth. And then Harvey came out with his wackadoo apology saying, like basically blaming, calling them liars. He had some weird, like, I'm going to focus on gun control. Like, I don't know what the hell he was talking about in that apology. And it wasn't an apology. And so after that, I was like, he, how dare he call these women liars? Because these women I knew put their careers on the line to never work again in this town. And I'm sure he thought he was unsinkable. And that's how he treated it. And so I came forward basically to just validate their stories. And at first I didn't want to come forward. Uh, Yashara Lee, who wrote the article, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you everything that happened. But don't put my name on it. Like, I don't want to have this forever attached Mm -hmm. to my name. But he called me back right before. And he was like, Lauren, I just think it'll be so much more powerful if you put your name on it because you're not an actress. You're not in this business. You're not looking for anything from him. And it might, you know, hold more water. So so I was like, okay. It came out on a Friday night. I'm like, it'll be buried by Monday. No big deal. Was that a tough decision for you to change your mind and decide you would put your name to it? Yeah, I thought I'm definitely going to regret this. I don't now, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm very actually proud to be a part of this movement. And if I helped anyone else come forward, then then it was definitely worth it. And yes, when you Google me, you see this awful Harvey Weinstein story. But look at him now. I mean, he's, you know, he's getting charged. He's just been indicted. So it was definitely worth it. Is there, of all the stuff that's come out about him, is there one story that is the most disturbing to you? I think, um, and this hasn't come out, but the youngest victim was really the most disturbing. I mean, she was in film school in college and he found her and was like, oh, I'll take you to Cannes. I love your film. I love your, the the most heartbreaking part about her story and how she was groomed and, you know, assaulted by him eventually was that she talks about going to women to look for a mentor, you know, women in the business, producers, um, writers, anyone in the business. She would meet with these women. They were just like, yeah, look, tough business, nothing I can do for you. And so to have someone finally appreciate her work and say she was talented and give her all of this um, support was really what lured her in. And that story sticks with me because now anytime anyone asks me for help, 
I'm there. Anything I can do to help another, particularly a woman, mm-hmm. because I'd rather help a woman, you know, than than have her get into the clutches of someone who's looking for something else. Right. It is weird the way, weird and great, how fast the culture has changed. It's amazing. I mean, even stuff, it's it's minor, but all of a sudden I have no tolerance for guys commenting on my looks on Instagram if there's anything like vaguely creepy about it. Whereas I've noticed be- they've calmed down significantly mm-hmm. on my account. I mean, that's all they used to write. Like, shut up, show us your boobs. Like, I don't get any more of that, which is great. Do, what do you attribute that to? <laughs> I think the fact that this happened to me and now people like kind of associate me with this movement and they probably are like, yeah, I probably should knock it off. I mean, it never really bothered me that much, to mm-hmm. be honest. I mean, someone I haven't met commenting on my – it wasn't something that really bothered me. What bothered me more was the idea that um, that's all women have to offer and that we couldn't be taken seriously or take – I mean, that was how he lured me in. That was the worst part of it. I felt so stupid. Mm. Like, oh, you really thought this Hollywood mogul was interested in your career and what you think about Teddy Roosevelt? Like, that's what you thought? That's what makes me angry, that it had nothing to do with who I am or, you know, what I had to say. Mm. It was just a matter of luring me into a kitchen. Right. I mean, that's what he traded on. Yeah. So had these kind of things happened to you in your – I feel like when all of, when this broke and when all the other stories started coming out, I felt like, oh, my God, I think I've been really naive um, in that, yes, of course, you hear, you know, I know stuff like this happens, but I didn't realize the degree to it and how pervasive it is. Um, whereas I feel like there are women out there who have been very aware of it and have been on the receiving end of it. Yeah. Um, where were you in all that? Like, is this, did you have a, were you like, this is, yeah, this is pretty common. Um, mm, that's interesting. What, what I, you know, when I was young, very young, I got my job, my first job at Fox News Channel. And um, I thought that's what corporate culture was. I thought Fox was what every place was mm-hmm. like. Women were to wear like tight dresses if they, you know, wanted to be on TV. And they were um, constantly commented on about their looks. Like, I mean, that's what it was. And I was like, okay, it's TV. You have to look good. I get it. Um, now stepping back and being so much older and working in so many other places, like that isn't what it is. You don't have to be only judged on your looks or you have no worth whatsoever. Um, you know, I learned a lot because I grew up a lot and I, I got more experience. But at the time, I, I was so naive that I didn't even realize that the level of harassment I was totally willing to put up with Mm -hmm. and not thinking anything about it, you know? Right. Um, the fact that I worked the same job as a man in almost every position I had and never made as much money as them, even though I had much more experience in many cases. Um, yeah, that's something that gets me. At the time, I just chalked it up to like, I just didn't negotiate as well right, as they did. exactly, exactly. And I would ask my agent, like, because I wouldn't find out about it at the time. It would mm-hmm. always be a later thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that. Like now I, I realize, but you know, when you go, in, I think this generation, though, going into the workforce is going to be way more woke than you mm-hmm. or I were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I saw, you retweeted it, actually, a funny um, clip from Red Eye of you talking about your Ambien purchases. Mm. But what struck me 
immediately when I saw it was just was your boobs. Yeah. Like, right. Right. I mean, that's what Fox was, though. That was the dress that Fox put me in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what 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 kind of harassment did you deal with at Fox? Because, um, again, when all of that bro- and I was never I never was on staff right, anywhere there, but right. I like, bounced around. Well, there. to be clear. Uh, I loved working at Fox News Channel. It was it was one of the greatest jobs I ever had because it was non-union, so I could do everything and learn everything. And so I, you know, ran the teleprompter and printed out scripts and did research and I worked on, you know, the desk. And I, I mean, I did, I got so much experience there. I absolutely yeah, loved it. Yeah, you're a producer there yeah. and on and then yeah, on air. Yeah, and then I came back to be on air. When I came back to be on air, that was when it really became obvious to me, not only the difference between men and women, but the difference between um you know your party affiliation um what you had to say i mean if you were just willing to sit and look pretty and toe the line if you will you went a lot further Mm -hmm. there it was my impression and roger ailes did say like wildly inappropriate comments all the time when you met with him but he was the king there i mean no one got on the air without his approval and so you're like oh great he thinks i'm pretty he thinks i'm good enough to be on air. i mean it was like i was so grateful for his inappropriate comments mm-hmm. instead of being like that's totally inappropriate i have so much stuff like that from my career not i, I would not call it sexual harassment as much as inappropriate sexual interest in me that I was flattered by exactly and I and I think like what was wrong with me that I didn't get that that is not a thing that I should I should have been offended like married guys showing interest in me I should have been offended instead of being like oh my god he likes me so much he's willing to (gasps) risk his yeah so but I think that's a mentality that girls grow up with like that's what we have to trade on and so um yeah I was the exact same way exact same way and especially it was that flat, especially in that industry where it was like an older producer or something, yep. you know, I, ugh. yeah. Um, but I, I, I saw you talking with Megan Kelly. Yeah. And you told a story about Roger Ailes touching your diaphragm. Yeah. Um, you know, Courtney Friel, a yes. mutual friend of ours, she talked about the same thing too. We talk about it now, like, oh, that was really inappropriate. But I mean, again, at the time we were just so starved to be at that place and get on TV. At the time, Fox News Channel had an endless bench of female anchors. I mean, you literally were waiting for someone to get hit by a bus so that you could see airtime. I mean, it was really, it was it was like that. They basically just hired people to keep them off other stations, mm-hmm. but they didn't necessarily use you. So when you had a one-on-one with Roger, you really wanted to impress him. And and basically, the the purpose of a meeting would be like, I want to do more here. Like, what else can I do? Like, how mm-hmm. else can I serve you? And so I went in for one of these particular meetings and he's like, asks you to turn around. And again, I didn't realize how inappropriate that was because he's always like laying on his couch with his feet up like he had some hip problem or something. So I'm like, okay, he can't get up and see me. So I guess I have to twirl in front of him. But the one time he was like, you're good, you're this, you're that, but you you cannot project your voice properly and that's really what's holding you back. And I was like, really? Oh, okay. He's like, yeah, I'm, in fact, come over here. I want to make sure you're projecting your voice. I'm going to show you the difference. And he had me come sit basically on his lap because he was like a sofa and he put his hand under my diaphragm to feel where I was breathing and how I was projecting my voice. And yes, I knew like, oh, this is so weird and creepy, 
But at the same time, I'm like, he's just helping me with my voice, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's the head of this station. It's television. I have to look good. I have to sound good. I get it. Um, But I wasn't the only one. Luckily, though, I was never asked to, like, meet at a hotel or any of that mm-hmm. crazy. I think I would have been like, whoa. But I think it also helped that I happened to be dating one of his correspondents right. at the time. He probably wasn't going to cross that line. Did you know that that was happening? Did I know that? No, no, I didn't. But, you know, it was always weird at Fox because you would see people come up out of nowhere and, like, get a ridiculous amount of airtime. And you were like, what? Why is why is everybody so hot on this one now? And you're like, oh. And you would just hear rumors like mm-hmm. he's a friend of Roger, she's a friend of Roger, like that kind of stuff. So you're like, well, maybe that's why, you know? And he's a what, – like, what did that mean D- – what did that mean to you, though, a friend of Roger's? Like, were you, did you suspect something improper was happening? Well, no, I mean, men and women, I should say. Like, um, Roger hired his own personal lawyer, gave him, like, a job on the morning show. We were like, why is this guy, like, why is he always on the morning show? And I was like, oh, because he's a friend of Roger. Not because he has any television experience or he's good on air or any of that. Who was it? I don't want to say. Okay, I, I can bad. go look it up. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you'll find it. Um, stuff like that. And then O'Reilly, that was the same thing. O'Reilly, I was definitely suspicious. I think everybody knew who he was screwing around with at the time because mm-hmm. all of a sudden they would be on his show all the time. And that was like the prime time spot to be. If you had a book to sell, going on O'Reilly was a you know a goldmine. It's like the Oprah of Fox it News. It was the Oprah of Fox <laughs> News. Absolutely. Of cable, really. Yeah. When all the, the Fox stuff came out, <laughs> again, that was another one where I'm like, I was there so frequently and I had no idea. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't either. I mean, it was a big place. There were a lot of people. I had suspicions of who got where because of why, but I had mm-hmm. no idea people were being like propositioned in hotel rooms and on the show, off the show. And I had no idea all these payouts were going on. My God. People were making millions of dollars by being hit on and denying it. Yeah. It's kind of crazy that it didn't come out earlier. Yeah, for sure. Super crazy. Um, okay, changing subjects. Okay. For just a second to talk to you guys about Ritual Vitamins. Uh, it's, it's the only omega-3 that actually tastes good. So have you seen these Ritual Vitamins? No, what are they? They're, um, they're vitamins for women because to get – for a woman to get like all this dietary stuff you need, you have to – there's so many different – I know when I was pregnant, there were so many different pills I had to take to get everything. This like kind of covers everything that you need in one pill. Um, they're vegan. They're non-GMO. They taste good. They have like a mint essence in them. And Are I, they chewable? No, oh. it's a pill um, and it's a capsule. And it. I, I wish I, I had a bottle and I gave them to Allie Ward because she was very interested in them. So I don't have them here to show oh, you. But they, course. yes, but they're really, um, they're unusual looking there it's a it's a clear capsule and there's sort of like what looks like um little cat like little uh balls suspended in an oil and what it does is so it buy they're beautiful that is exactly (laughs) (laughs) they will look so good on your on your counter yes um and they bypass the stomach which helps prevent nausea so it's it's delayed release capsules that bypass the stomach to help prevent nausea it's a beadlet in oil formulation that keeps dry ingredients separate from oils within the capsule so you only have to take one pill mint scented with an in bottle tab enriched with pure peppermint oil so it smells really good it's like it's like christmas in your vitamin uh bottle um patent pending technology and formulation and uh 
I need vitamin D and ritual is the first vitamin I remember to take. Um, but I really like them just because for me, it doesn't prevent nausea and it's like all the stuff that, uh, that as a woman that you need. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to then have like a whole bunch of different like bottles. (laughs) Exactly. Um, subscription-based, no gap in nutrient levels. Uh, And if you forget a few days, you can snooze your order until you catch up. Forget everything you thought you knew about vitamins. Ritual is the brand that's reinventing the experience with nine essential nutrients women lack the most. If you're ready to invest in your health, do what I did and go to ritual.com slash Rosen. Your future self will thank you for taking Ritual. Consider it your lifelong health 401k. Why put anything but clean ingredients backed by real science in your body? Go to ritual.com slash slash Rosen. Um, oh yeah. And if you go to, to the website, you can see where like everything in the vitamin was sourced and you can get all sorts of, of info. Awesome. If you want to. Okay. Um, all right. So when we last talked, I think you were doing good day LA and then you were an anchor at KTLA. Yeah. Right. With Bobby. Yeah. Um, and I came on a few times. I had the most fun. It was awesome. And then, um, then you weren't there anymore. I was not. What happened? Um, that's a great question. I wish I knew what happened. <coughs> I mean, look, uh, this business is really subjective and we had a new news director come in and initially I was really excited because it was my first woman news director that I'd ever worked for. She was not a fan of mine. She just what? didn't like me, thought that I was too much, I guess, would constantly say things like, but that's the best part of you. I I thought so. I think people related, um, but she wanted a very straight, straight uh, teleprompter reader, and Mm -hmm. I wasn't really her cup of tea. And so she moved me to a bunch of different shifts, Um, and I was I was fine, still reporting. You started to say that she would say stuff to you like, oh, about my social media. Um, She, you know, and keep in mind, I was I was freelancing at this point, like I wasn't under contract. So she's like, yeah, I asked. you know, I asked the the head company in New York, like I asked the folks in New York what we could do about your social media. I go, what do you mean? She goes, I mean, what our rights are to contain your social media. I know you're not under contract, but some of the things on there I find disturbing. I was like, like what? And she, you know, would pull out this or that. And I was like, those got the most hits. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's just who I am. I mean, keep in mind, it was nothing racist. It was nothing. But yeah, I'm sure it was different than most of the other people on the news. And also keep in mind that any interview I ever got while I've been out in L.A. has been through my social media, Mm -hmm. not because they saw me on Good Day L.A., not because I covered some story. It was like, I follow you on Instagram and I had to have you come in here or I saw you on Twitter. I have to have you come in. So there was no way I was going to give that up. And I don't know if that's what she was asking, but that's what she implied. Mm -hmm. And then when this Harvey Weinstein story came out, it was very mysterious. I called my news director. I called my assignment editor when the New York Times story came out. And I said to him, I have amazing, an amazing Harvey Weinstein story. Like, I have an amazing Harvey Weinstein story. Like, we should tell it on the air. And I was told, don't worry. We have so-and-so covering it, like some dude. We're we're on it. Don't worry about it. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't think you understand yeah. what I'm saying. And they're like, no, don't worry about it. We're fine. We're fine. I was like, uh, okay, weird. Um, and then uh, I told the story to Yashar Ali, and of course he went ahead and printed it. And all of a sudden, I got like calls, relentless calls for for interviews. And I kept calling my news director and calling my news director. 
saying, I don't know what to do. I'm getting all these calls for interviews. I don't know if I should do them or not because you're my station that I work for and I assume that you would want me to come on your air and talk about it first there. Mm. No response. Never called me back. Never responded to my emails. My agent called. Never called him back. Never responded to his emails. What did he think was going on? My agent was like, do the interviews. Like this, I've never seen anything like this. I've never just been ignored by a news director, especially like during a time like this. So I did. So I went on Megyn Kelly and I did all these other interviews and I went. And as soon as it came out publicly, I was taken off the schedule. They just didn't have me on the schedule anymore. And I tried to get an answer, but of course she wasn't returning any of my calls. And I heard like through the grapevine of another manager that worked there, well, she felt like if she had you on the air, she would have to have Bill O'Reilly's accusers on the air because it would seem biased. And I was like, what? (laughs) Is that not the most wackadoo thing you've ever heard? That's, that is. It was so weird. You worked there. I worked there. I was an employee. That is why you would, I mean, in addition to it being newsworthy, that is why you would be telling, like, that's. Why wouldn't I tell the story on the station that I worked That's the difference between you and the Bill O'Reilly accusers. Yeah. And by the Bill O'Reilly accusers, like, they were paid off. They have non-NDAs. Yeah. they, They can't come forward. So it was that. And then when I finally was put back on the schedule, it was like the worst reporting shifts like weekends or really odd times they wouldn't let me cover anything to do with the me too stuff Mm. or anything and i was like what is going on and meanwhile like bobby d who still worked there he's like lauren there's a graphic up we have a graphic of all the accusers with your face on it and it just says (laughs) reporter i mean it was so silly like i worked there it was crazy to me and i told my agent like i don't care i just any other job like this place was the only place that not only didn't support me at all but but banned me, really, for mm-hmm. having this happen to me. It was a terrible feeling. Like, I had done something wrong. Yeah, that's so bizarre. And so, like, what was the time period of all of that? Or how long So was that, that story came out in, like, October. Um, I would say, you know, I filled in, like, over the holidays here and there, but not really. Like, usually... Christmas time, I worked every shift because I'm Jewish and I never took off. So I would be anchoring the day LA. I would be doing mm. – they were like, yeah, we don't really even need you this holiday season. I was like, what? Like, yeah, you do. <laughs> like, I know everybody's taking <laughs> off. Like, come on. Were and you, that's when I just realized, like, they don't want you at all. Were your feelings hurt? Yeah. Big time. Not for all the people that work there that I knew and loved because they all contacted me individually and said, like, wow, I, you know, I'm so proud of you and – you, you know, good good on you for sticking up. But the management there, I absolutely was devastated. Mm-hmm. I had put in six and a half years at that place and I did any job and any and everything they ever asked. I mean, I flew in the traffic chopper and I did weather when they asked me to, even though I don't know anything about weather. Um, and I felt like that's how you treat me because this thing happened to me. It was just really upsetting. Yeah. Did the news director ever have a conversation nope. with you? Never returned any of my calls. And I... I I caught her in a hallway once when I was filling in on some random shift. She was like leaving. And I said, hey, I'd really like to talk to you. And she's like, yeah, swing by my office. We should talk. Swing by my office. Like, no, making it like you should. She's like, I got to go swing by my office. And I was like, oh, you know what? I don't even want to hear what she has to say. It was just really, um, it was upsetting. And it literally was the only place that I felt wasn't supportive at all. That's so disappointing. Yeah. Big time. Because I will tell you this. It's not a Fox thing. 
Fox News Channel had me on all the time. Like Greg mm-hmm. Gutfeld has me on his show. They're always inviting me to do Fox Radio. So it's definitely just this local station, and it, I'm assuming it's her. And what do you surmise is her thinking? She just doesn't like me. And I think maybe she thought that this was a good excuse to get rid of me. And I'm sure no one saw this story developing into what it was. I'm sure she thought it was like a one-day story. You know, yeah, Lauren's doing interviews now, but she'll be forgotten by tomorrow and we'll all move on. I don't think they realized it was going to be this whole movement that they would have to keep covering and keep dealing with. Right. I Has- think. I mean, these obviously all speculation. I've not spoken to anyone over there mm-hmm. in management. But I will tell you this, the day he got arrested, I got a call, can you come on Good Day LA as a guest? And initially it was one of my friends that that contacted me, a producer on the show. And I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to go. But I'm like, I'll I'll go on if I'll, you know, I'll promote this show that I'm doing on Oxygen. Okay. And then I spoke to my agent and I spoke to the publicist at Oxygen and they were like, you can't, no, we have you booked on CNN, we have you doing this and that tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. No problem. I'll cancel. And I wrote back and canceled. And the manager, the assignment editor who wasn't interested in the story, um, wrote me back and was like, well, is there any way we can have you on in any of the three hours? We'll, you know, we'll work around your schedule. And I was like, no. I'm like, why am I going to go on that show that banned Mm -hmm. me from being on the air because of this story? Because now it's timely and you want a news soundbite? Like, oh, God. The more I thought about it, the more angry I got. And I was like so happy to say no. I have to tell you, when I asked what happened, I was so sure it was that you decided you wanted to move on and do other stuff. Like, I well, had no idea this is what I was asking. I mean, I had no idea this oh, was... Oh, well, initially when, this, when the um, 5 o'clock show, what happened was I went into my boss and I said I couldn't work nights anymore. I was having a lot of relationship problems because I was gone all night. Mm-hmm. And I asked if I could switch my schedule to a daytime shift and still do the 5. And he basically said, no, I don't need you on the daytime. I need you at night times. And I guess... That's when I kind of went back to freelancing. and But I was still filling in a lot. I was still anchoring a lot. And I was fine with that. Um, but then she came on board and just decided I wasn't her cup of tea. So, Is asking about relationship stuff on the table or off? Well, we broke up now. so But we were on our way, <laughs> I think. You know, it's hard when you work opposite shifts and you don't see each other. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you when you do see each other, you're just like, well, where have you been? And what have you been doing? And what have you been, you know? And I mean, it, it just got into that. Um, but we're both really good friends. We sold our house. We made a lot of money on it. We share our dogs. Um, so yeah. How, how do you share the dogs? Well, I'd been traveling a lot. He travels on the weekend. So actually we just switch them off. Like they stay at my house, they stay at his house. It's like having a, a dog sitter at the ready, mm-hmm. basically. Nice. So uh, was all this happening kind of at the same time? <laughs> um, we had decided to break up before this Harvey stuff came out. But again, he was really supportive about it, um, much more so than I expected him to be. He came to a march <laughs> that I was doing in Hollywood. He, um, Yeah, he was really supportive and um, he was great. Uh, and I think it opened up his eyes a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot of men I know are actually like, well, looking back now, like, oh, I, you know, I, I feel bad about this one woman that I treated badly or this or that. You know, I, I like that it's a sense of awareness now. Mm-hmm. I, I keep thinking about the way that you were slowly pushed out of uh, KTLA. Yeah. And it's just like hitting me. It's getting my heart. Um, well, I'm sure you went through a similar well, situation. Well, that's – yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, I, a, a little but bit. It's the I same think, feeling of kind of betrayal. Yes. 
because near the end of my time on the Adam Carolla show, I was like, I can't get a word in edge. Like nothing I'm saying is registering. Like what's going on? Right, it was so right. weird. You knew something was up. Yeah. yeah. But it, it took me a long, I mean, I think something had been, I, I was, uh, fired, um, very end of December. And in retrospect, I think something had been up probably since, um, August, oh. but I didn't realize it. And I know that I like, I got real depressed around November and I couldn't figure out why. And I'm like, I guess it's because my dog died. Like it's, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like that's what it is, but it must be what it is. Right. Because I just feel like I, like I had this like homesick, lonely feeling. Yeah. But, I, but I really think what that was is I was being frozen out at work. Like I just, I was perceiving it, but I didn't know how to make sense of yeah. it. So I thought like, Oh, it's this other thing in my life, but it wasn't. It's that I was, like persona non grata at work. Um, yeah. And I remember we did a live show and Jay, one of the last live shows and Jay Moore was like laughing at what I was saying. Like the guests would be interacting with me and laughing, but like, I was like not there to Adam. Like weird. he was just not interacting with what I was saying. It was such a weird feeling. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a betrayal and it's a like, it's a, it's sort of a, feeling of being dehumanized yeah like that i don't deserve some like just talk to me like a human yeah i've been here for so long right like show a little respect yeah yeah it's unfortunate lauren you know what you should do with your dogs when you have them snuggle in bed do you let your dogs in your bed all the time yeah me too people uh that's gross i'm like i don't i don't care it's the best best when they nuzzle there i mean with with wendy she's just like a big pillow of a dog anyway and then she'll put her her soft little chin on my neck yeah it's it's the best feeling ever yes exactly i wish why i have dogs exactly i didn't with my uh previous dogs did not sleep in bed with them for all the reasons that dog trainers tell you not to right now i'm like i missed out yes granted they were better behaved than wendy um because she is a princess and she knows it (laughs) but that's uh, a parenting actually yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but uh the bed that you're going to want to nuzzle with your dogs in or just want to sleep in in general is Casper. Support for Alison Rosen is your new best friend comes from Casper, a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Um, you guys are probably familiar with Casper. They revolutionized the mattress industry. They have cut out the middleman. So you order directly from them, from the website. The mattress arrives, it's in a box, and it's it's like a sizable box, but not bed size. And you think, how can a whole bed be in there? You open it up, the bed unfurls, you sleep better than you've ever slept, and you think, why didn't I do this sooner? You spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. I, My goal is to spend far more than one-third of my life sleeping. I would spend four quarters of my life sleeping if all I the could. time i spend in traffic i would much rather yes be yeah. all my awake time is taken away from my sleep time casper brand mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce get 50 dollars towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash bff and using promo code bff at checkout terms and conditions apply that's casper.com slash bff and promo code bff for 50 dollars towards select mattresses uh you mentioned traffic when we last talked 
you when we not when we last talked, but when you were last on my show, you were saying that you were going to get rid of having a car and you were just going to Uber everywhere. I did for for like a year and a half. And now you have a car again. Yeah, but I want to get rid of it again. <laughs> I'll tell you why I got a car. A year and a half, I Ubered everywhere. We both didn't have a car, me and my boyfriend at the time. And I got to tell you, it was liberating. There were two big hangups, though. When I wanted to take the dog somewhere with me, sometimes an Uber would pull up and be like, yeah, no, I can't have dogs in my car. Or, like, I'm allergic or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got it. But that was a drawback. Right. And then the other was, like, when you go grocery shopping, it wasn't too bad. Like, you can still Uber and grocery shop. Mm-hmm. But it's just... If you're going to buy a lot of stuff, like an Ikea run or something like that, right. you need your own car. Yeah. Um, but having said that, like, I, my mother came to visit and she was like, this is ridiculous that you don't have your own car. This is Los Angeles, Lauren. Like, this isn't New York. You need a car. You need a car. And she Could hated that, that I was in- taking everywhere. I was taking Ubers everywhere with her. Could you say it in her accent? <laughs> she was like, oh, that's ridiculous. You got rid of your car. What'd you do that for? Now you're taking Ubers. You're like, you're stuck in this smelly guy's Nissan Sentra. She was not having it. And so she was like, that's it. We're going to the car dealership tomorrow. And literally, I don't know where. I was like, yeah, all right, I'll get a Ford. <laughs> like, I don't know. I drove my friends the other day. It seems fine. So um, I leased a Ford and like did no research. Like didn't even, I hate it. I, I want to go back to no car like someone knocked my mirror off when Mm. it was parked on the street and like i gotta get that fixed now i got i hate having a car but it it does make life convenient when you definitely when you move Mm -hmm. and when you have dogs you just moved i am moving someday soon how how is it how'd it go how'd the actual move go i think the fact that we had to do it so quick worked in our benefit we didn't have a lot of time to like hem and haw and organize everything perfectly i would have loved to throw out more stuff i would have loved like extra time for the clean out Mm. but you know my boyfriend and i both bought this house together we broke up we sold the house so i was putting all my stuff on the left side of the house to move and i (laughs) like literally taped my headshots to my boxes so that people would know like that stuff was mine and the other stuff is his and if you looked at us our stuff at the end, you saw exactly why we broke up. Like, like mine was like organized and like stacked perfectly. And his was just like boxes full of everything, like clothing and wires and like technical <laughs> equipment and food and like all in one thing. And it doesn't matter. I was like, well, how are you going to unpack this? Like, this mm-hmm. is a nightmare. But that's why we broke up. Was it sad? <laughs> no. I mean, a little bit. Because I remembered how excited we were when we bought the house together mm-hmm. and we thought we were going to be there forever. But things change, you know. Um, we're both fine and friendly and I think that's good. We're not like – there's no animosity or hatred or – and we both made money. That takes the sting out of yeah. it. Yeah. I remember – because I knew that you were with Rick. Yeah. And then you moved out here and then just I stayed your- with Rick for like two years at least when I moved out here. But it just got really hard the back mm-hmm. and forth to New York. Yeah. And then did you – the did you get into another relationship quickly because i just remember from social media being like wait i think there's a dude what's going on well um i was very excited to be single after rick it was like 12 years we were together and i was like i'm gonna be single i'm gonna try out these apps that everybody's talking (laughs) about and yeah i literally met my next boyfriend like the night of i mean like it was very quickly after and i kind of fought it because i really felt like i should be single for a while but then you know when you like someone, it just kind of happens. And I'm like, what am I going to torture myself for? So, <laughs> Right. Yeah. But so, I also have a lot of gay f- 
male friends that are all over my Instagram. I don't usually post my actual boyfriend. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't think, yeah. I, I think that that's why I, it was sort of mysterious. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't think, th- like, I think feel I like there's seen a him. <laughs> yeah, I could just sense him. Just, just well, right outside the frame. I will say this, my I Instagram I game like shot through the roof when we got together because he was a photographer. Mm. So I had like these amazing photos of myself all of a sudden. So that helped. I'll miss that the most. Yeah. yeah. The next one, you're going to have to find someone who does him. AB in some yeah, way. some way. <laughs> I'm like, could you take a course before this gets serious? <laughs> So uh, you work with Dr. Drew now. I do. And before before we started, I was asking you how it's going, and you said only great things about him. Has he not made you feel like there's anything wrong with you, though? Because that has been my – I love – long uh, time – like before I even met him, long time fan of Dr. Drew. However, somehow whenever we get together – not the last time I did his show, but frequently when I've been on his show or he's been on mine – and I like open up about something. He just makes me feel like there's so much stuff wrong with me that, and I don't like that feeling. Well, he does have a sense be like, oh, well, that's because, you know, you're angry at your mom, like stuff like that. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, you're not a psychologist. So <laughs> let's stop playing with that hat. But I mean, he does. <laughs> well, that's his main hat, though. He, it is his main hat. And he does know his stuff really well. He's, he has a prophetic quality to him. He really does kind of see inside you and see the future and mm-hmm. he his initial vibe and sense of you is dead on correct because I've seen him do it with other people and so unfortunately he probably is right when he tells <laughs> you know. what's going on with you um everybody always the first question I always get is like oh does he know you drink like I'm supposed to keep this a secret mm-hmm. I'm like yeah he goes out drinking with me like we have drinks together we're actually very similar in that way I mean I probably drink more frequently than he does but we both like hit a wall at the same time. Like where we're both like, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to bed. Like we're probably the first to go to bed out of everyone else. But mm-hmm. he definitely goes out and has fun and drinks. That's so I don't cool know why people that you guys think hang he out. Does it. Yeah. Um, so how did that job come about? Um, so I filled in on KBC all the time, um, mostly just because I needed extra money because I wasn't really working as much at Fox. Um. But the the program director there is so awesome, this guy Drew Hayes, and he was like, if there's a good spot for you, like, we're going to find it. We're going to get you in here. We're going to get you in here. And um, when Mike Catherwood got a different job uh, at a different radio station, they asked me if I wanted it. And it's literally like the perfect shift. It's noon to three. You're on the radio. You get to hang out with Dr. Drew. You don't have to get there too early. You don't have to leave too late. Um, I love it. I love it. And everybody at that radio station is so awesome. Like, they're just cool late you know laid back people they're excited that you're there which is not the feeling i got at fox mm-hmm. it was like you're gonna be grateful for whatever crumbs we throw at you <laughs> whereas here they like celebrate you and they show you off and they want you to be a part of like all of their marketing and everything i i love it i really do that's awesome that's awesome how are you liking full-time radio versus well you are doing full-time tv though because you're doing abuse of power i do abuse of power but it's not every day because it's um, true crime. So we mm-hmm. tape them in chunks. And I love doing that because it's totally different than, you know, daily news coverage. But I do miss the day-to-day reporting, I will say. There's something about just – even though I, I mean I bitched about it to no end, it does burn you out. There's something to be said about just being there and, like, covering the story and being there in person and talking to people on the street, um, which is something you don't get when you anchor every day and something you don't get when you're in a radio station mm-hmm. all day. Do you do you think above all else reporter is is like your calling? Oh, I don't know about my calling. <laughs> there are definitely better reporters than me. Um, but I liked it. 
in the sense that I got to talk to people and you got to craft your own story. Whereas otherwise you're just reading someone else's copy if you can't change it in time. Um, I like that aspect of it. But ideally, I love doing both. I loved anchoring a show and also reporting because you got the best of both worlds. The anchoring is great because if you have great chemistry with your co-host, which I did with Bobby, it's it's just fun. I mean, it's literally a, an hour of fun. And people recognize you when you anchor because they see you on TV every day. So when you do go out and report – they're more apt to come up to you because they know who you are mm -hmm. instead of another reporter that perhaps they don't see every day. So it definitely helps in that game to get, you know, get the story. Right. Are you Drew's co-host? Yeah. That's do cool. we make the same? No. <laughs> we don't, in case you're wondering. <laughs> and do you feel like it's just negotiation or? <laughs> um, it's probably the medical degrees that he has over me. Uh, no, I mean, uh, he's so great to have as a host and he's so cool. Like he's like, Anytime you need to take off, you take off. It's really important that you do anything you want to do. And, you know, like he knows, like, I know your dream isn't to always be my co-host. Like you should do whatever TV comes up or do whatever stuff That's... comes up. Because he loves doing it too. I mean, he loves like doing drunk history, like a bit part. He right. loves um, being on this team mom show. I mean, we both have like other stuff outside this radio show, but we both love what each other brings, I think. So it's it's a mutual respect for sure. Had you worked with him before or did you know him Yeah, prior? I had filled in before, but like very rarely and like we didn't know each other that well at all, but I guess he thought I was okay if he gave the green light. Mm -hmm. So now we've gotten to really know each other and we, yeah, we're good friends. That's so cool. Um, you know what else is so cool? What? It's Brandless. Have you heard of Brandless? They no. are, it, they're amazing. Um. And since I've been talking about them on the show, I've been getting Instagram direct messages from people of their the stuff that they bought on Brandless. So Brandless is a website that sells food, household, beauty stuff. Um, and it's they have like gluten-free stuff, vegan, non-GMO, cruelty-free, clean beauty and personal care, non-toxic cleaners and home goods. Um, they have really delicious food items. And every the, the, the thing with Brandless is that every single item on the website is $3. So, and I can't keep it in my head. Really? Yes. Wow. Every, it's crazy. I'll be looking and I'll be like, oh, that body scrubber. Oh, that hand lotion. I want that. How much is that? How much is that is probably – oh, wait, it's $3. Like I can't keep it in my mind that wow. everything's – Because it's, everything is $3. And they have really good um, tomato basil spaghetti sauce. It is more basil-y than any other tomato basil I spaghetti. Love basil. Yeah, it's like very fresh. It's the It's like – Super fresh tasting. I've been using it every night. Um, I pour it on vegetables. Wow. No, no pasta here, but I, but I, yeah, I've been pouring it on vegetables. Um, I would eat it plain, but maybe I will. Maybe I'll start eating it plain. Also, uh, cheddar, cheddar ducks, which are these little um, crackers in the shape of ducks that are cheddar, and I like them, and Elliot likes them quite a bit too. Everything is so good, uh, and Brandless donates a meal with every purchase through their partnership with Feeding America. Start building your Brandless box today and get free shipping on your first order at Brandless.com. Better everything for everyone, all $3, Brandless.com. Okay, let's do just me. I'm literally just trying For to everyone. Out. You're just what? I, I need to get on that website. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah. Brandless.com. They have so much good stuff. Amazing. Okay. All right. Let's do just mirror everyone. 
I want to take a moment to remind you guys I have a book out, Tropical Attire and Courage and Other Phrases That Scare Me. Uh, go to alisonrosen.com and then there's an array of links that you can click that'll take you to Amazon where you can buy the book. It comes, it's in all formats um, and uh, and buy it. And I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rosen. There's different reward levels. You can get bonus content, so much access to me. You'll beg me to leave you alone, etc. Patreon.com slash Rosen. Okay. Just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? J.L. Stivers says, Before a customer service phone call, I always press the button indicating I'll take a satisfaction survey after the call because I probably incorrectly think the agent will try harder and then never take the survey. I never do that. I'm so quick to hit like, no, I will not take your survey. Oh, I like the strategy. I'm wondering if I should have always been doing this. What do you think? I always say no immediately. I'm like, who's got time for that? Yeah. Yeah. But, or sometimes they, they ask you in mid-conversation, like, by the way, would you be willing to take a survey at the, t- at the end of our call to see how I do? I'm like, because you don't want to offend the person. Right. So then you do it. Ugh. I just wonder if you do get better service if you, if you say that. <coughs> Maybe you do. I feel like J.L. Stivers might be on to something. I need to crack some. Co- I, we need an investigative piece on these <laughs> telemarketers, like what they can and can't tell. You, know. you should do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be my next do it. Pulitzer. Okay. Uh, a Kimmy thing says, the older I get, the more I add an S to stores that don't have an S on the end. Nordstrom is my mothership, and damn it, if I didn't just call it Nordstrom's, who the hell am I becoming? Well, I didn't realize it was Nordstrom, not Nordstrom's. Oh, I always say Nordstrom's. Really? And you haven't gotten viewers or listeners letting you know that you are wrong, wrong, wrong? Because I've been corrected before. Oh, God, no. Well, I say Macy's. It's not Macy's, right? It is Macy's. It's Macy's, but it's Nordstrom. And it's Bloomingdale's. Yes. But it's Nordstrom. Mm Mm-hmm. Where did you get it? I got it at Nordstrom's. I think I say Nordstrom. I always it sounds right. <laughs> Nordstrom sound should right. change to accommodate us because it just sounds it just sounds right. Okay. Rambling Kite says, hate when websites make you click a phrase that makes you feel bad about yourself when you want to exit a pop-up. For example, I don't want to save 15%. I don't want to lose five pounds fast. I, at the grocery store, when you're paying with a credit card, it's like donate $2 to you know children's cancer. Right. Like $1, $2, no. Or so, something yeah. that always makes – I always feel like such an asshole when I just don't – Same. Yeah. Yeah. It's unavoidable. It's very uh, – That's how they get you. It, that that is that is how they get you. Ray Morgan says, "When I was a kid, I thought Frankenstein was the name of the monster. So when I heard Frankenstein's monster, I thought the monster made another one. I think everyone thought that." Frank- Wait a minute, Frankenstein is not the no, name of the monster. Frankenstein is the doctor. Oh my god! I know. Really? Yes. How did I? I feel like I even read the book and I don't know that. Like back in school. It is a good book. But I mean, everybody calls it yes. Frankenstein. Like when you dress up for Hollywood, ho- Halloween, for Hollywood. For Hollywood or Halloween, <laughs> people assume you're dressed as Frankenstein. Exactly. Uh, so I think that's common. I had something else I was going to say about that. 
but I may, but I think I've lost it. All right. Misa Evans says, every time I leave the house with the crock pot cooking, I expect the house to have burned down when I return. This is a true, wonderful Just Mirror Everyone, given that Just Mirror Everyone started because I was near my apartment and a fire truck went by and I'm like, uh-oh, is my apartment in flames? Is it headed to my house? I think this every time. Is this just me? Is this everyone? Um, well, the truth is I've never... Uh, left the house with a crock pot cooking, but I imagine I would feel like, how is that safe? Uh, I've been into many a yoga class where I'm sitting there thinking like, did I leave my curling iron on? Like, that's literally what I'm thinking during the, yes. you know, um, for, for portion of the class. Do you find yoga helps you? Yeah. The- I hate to say it and it sounds so <laughs> LA. No, it's, but, it, but it everyone really, feels I'll tell like you why that. it helps me though. It's not like I found inner peace or anything like that. All the driving you have to do in LA and sit in your car makes my back hurt so much Mm -hmm. because then I get out of my car and I sit at a desk and that's what helps. I started like when I do it pretty regularly, I don't have any back pain. Interesting. How often do you go? I try and go twice a week. Are the classes super long? Because I've literally- I cannot deal with the long classes. If it's anything over 60 minutes, I'm out. And if they had a 30 minute one, I'd be in that one. I've- only gone to one yoga class in my entire life. It was after my well, – no, I want to go more though. It was after my wedding. I was very filled with like uh, – Anxiety? Rage. I oh, think rage. 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 <laughs> I don't know Even what worse. it was. Yeah. I was just I was just upset and I'm like, I need to try something. So I went to a yoga class. I loved that the teacher – maybe all yogis, yoginis, I don't know. Maybe they mm-hmm. all do this. But anyone who was late, when they would walk in, he would go, Welcome. We've been waiting for you. Oh, wow. I, like, I love Passive this. Passive aggressive. <laughs> no, but it, see, to me, it was just like welcoming. Oh. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't snide at all. It oh, was just like, thank you. We've been, I would oh, have no, been like, you know, I get it. I'm late. I get it. He didn't mean we've been waiting for you like we've been holding the class for you. Just like we've been looking forward to your arrival. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but it, I swear it was like two hours. It was so long. Oh, whatever I see, it's like 85 minutes. I'm like, 85 yeah, minutes? That's Who has that kind of time? Like, no way. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Stoker says, I can't help treating the emptying of my bagless vacuums canister as one-third science experiment, one-third treasure hunt, and one-third contest. Oh, I just regard it as 100% gross. I don't like that. Emptying that, that big thing of like hair. And oh, yeah. Fuzz. It's just hair. It's all my dog hair. I live yeah. in like a snow globe of dog hair. That's all. Mine's completely Same. full with dog hair. And then once I get all that, I empty it out and then I can really vacuum the dirt. Mm-hmm. Are you a pretty clean, organized person? No. Really? It sounds like But I'm not are. anal. No, I'm not. I mean, when I clean, I really clean, but I'm not like... I'm normal. You're not like Monica from Friends? No. <laughs> you don't need not. a vacuum to clean your vacuum? No. Okay. And lastly, Leanne Ward says, not only do I not mind if my husband snores, I'm relieved for him because it means he's sleeping and I know that he needs his sleep. I know this is just me. Yeah. That's just you. That's just you. That's just you. <laughs> <laughs> But that means you're a better person than we are. Also, your husband should see a doctor. No, (laughs) really. It means something's wrong. You think any snoring does? That's what Dr. Drew told me. Really? Yeah. Could he talk to my husband and my dog? Dr. Drew's like, "Mm, it's it's the beginning of something. Like, you shouldn't be snoring. snoring. Interesting. My dog snores really heavily, too. But I know she's not long for this world. Oh. Bless her. Like, whatever she wants. Lawrence Vaughn, it was delightful having you on. Always a pleasure. Uh, tell everyone, plug all your stuff. All my stuff. So obviously, I'm on Twitter. It's my own name. Instagram, someone took my name. So I'm Idiot Savan on there. And you can catch my show, Abuse of Power, which if you like true crime, you'll love this show. It's on Oxygen. Just look it up on your local whatever. 
Uh, you can catch me and Dr. Drew on the radio on 790 KBC here in Los Angeles. We're also on 810 up in San Francisco. And you can listen online wherever you find podcasts. What else? What else? What else? That's it for now. I feel like, yeah, I feel like you, I feel like you canvassed it all. Yeah. yeah check out Abuse of Power. I was watching it's it last dope. night with like my fingers in my mouth. Like, so ah, good. Yeah. yeah. We, we found really good stories this season. All of them. Yeah. Where do you guys film that? All over. All over. All over the country and all over. I, I was like, I really want to be in one of the reenactments. Like, just slip me in somehow. <laughs> As like one of the victims or something. They're like, we can't. I'm like, you blur them out. Like, yeah. You can't see who it is. They keep pushing for that. I know. That's my around. acting goal to be in a reenactment of a true crime. <laughs> thank you again thank for you. doing the show. Uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Rosen. Go to my website for everything else, AllisonRosen.com. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? time